to start now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Um, what a massive, fantastic crowd um, we have here. Um, not my belly dancing being massive, the uh, the crowd. It's amazing to see everybody. And um, the last time we run a session with Jamil, for those that were here, it was absolutely amazing. Um, and he he referenced, he may wish he hadn't done the fact that on a session for our influence and persuasion um, and we had an absolutely astonishing uptake on that hence the reason why we're here so um this is all about jamil but also um he he wants to make this as interactive as possible so as i mentioned to those that came through the waiting list uh, the, the waiting rather earlier at any point please <laughs> put any questions in right this is this is for you guys led by jamil any questions put through the q a or the chat um or in, in fact just take yourself off mute um and, um, and and just engage as and when. We're going to be here for about an hour. Um, and without further ado, um, ladies and gentlemen, this is Influence and Persuasion, and this is Jamil. Thank you very much. Hello to everyone. Nice to see everyone again. Thank you for putting your cameras on too. Um, it's always nice when you've got the cameras on. It is an interactive session. Unfortunately, my voice has gone. And, um, so it'd be great if you can take over from time to time. Uh, we're here to talk about influence, persuasion, a little bit of negotiation, I guess, as much as anything else. I think the vast majority of you work in recruitment, probably some of you don't. And, um, and this is really from a client perspective as much as anything else. It's actually an eight hour course that I do. I've been delivering quite um, a lot of um, this year. Um, but we're going to try and sort of fly through a few bits, which might be useful to you in our 50 minutes or so. That's what we're going to do. Um, it starts with a bit of a test. You'll be delighted to know, back to school at home for a bit of a test. At home. So um, I would love for you to write down your definitions of influence and persuasion. At home. That's all. At home. So it's not much of a test. You didn't bring back too many bad memories. At school brings back bad memories for me myself. I actually got thrown out of school. I level with you. We all know each other now, don't we? I actually got thrown out of school. I got thrown out of school because I used to smoke in class. I found a way of Smoking under the desk in lessons, used to do it quite often, got caught quite often, eventually got thrown out of school. Never let me teach again. Uh, what I'd like for you to do is to write down your definitions of influence and persuasion. At our, we use them interchangeably, but we don't necessarily know the difference between the two. Don't Google it. Just write down a sentence or so in regard to what you think it is. What's the difference between influence and persuasion? So write down one definition of influence, one definition of persuasion. And we'll go from there. Then you've got a little test, lunchtime test. Put your thumbs up when you're sort of done. <clears throat> oh. Done. You done? Cool. Okay, sounds good. Okay, well done. Um, all right. Okay. Well, look. Let me write out, read out six sentences to you. Um, I put together fifteen actually at um, for this course that I do. Um, and but um, let's read out six of them, and then you can put a you can put an I or a P next to it in accordance to your own definition of um, influence or persuasion. Um, and the reason why I say don't Google it is that you know it is genuinely something. Oh, Simon's put it in the chat bar. Thank you, Simon. It's very organised. And um, so um, it is personal to us as individuals. And um, the reason why I asked um, you this is to see your own perception of it as much as the sort of real terms. 
Um, let me read out the first sentence, then you can put an I or a P next to it, whether you think it is influence or persuasion. If you choose words and phrases that strike a responsive chord in the audience, is it influence or is it persuasion? If you choose a responsive chord, sorry, choose a word or phrase that gives a responsive chord in the audience, is it um, influence or persuasion? If you use a decision matrix to guide people on their choices, is that influence or persuasion? So if you say to someone, do you know what guys, you can do A or B. I've got three options for you here. All three will work, but you know, you choose whichever one you think is best. And if you help people with guided choices, and are you using influence or persuasion? If you orchestrate an environment to optimize the likelihood of an outcome. Simon, I need uh, a favor from you. Shall we go down the pub and talk about it? So if you organize an environment which will allow you to get a favorable outcome, is it influence or persuasion? <laughs> okay, number four. Ready for number four? Um, do you give others a voice in decision-making processes? Do you co-author and co-create? Do you give people a voice in their decision-making processes? Is it an I or is it a P? Number five. If you provide assistance without expectation of reciprocity, so you provide assistance without expectation of reciprocity. Would you be I in or P in? You know what I mean by that? Um, and final one, do you listen and paraphrase back? So if you are listening and paraphrasing back. So um, let's just make sure we're on the same page. What you've just told me is um, this is interesting. Let's recap just to make sure that I've got the three points you've just mentioned. So do you listen and para paraphrase back? Okay, you done? Happy? Sad? Disappointed? A little bit angry? Feel a bit let down? Feel like you've wasted 10 minutes? Maybe all those things. And, um, good. And, um, what you'll find is that the first three, and there's no sort of set um, uh, rule in this, um, but the first three really sort of fit into persuasion the second three fit into influence, and um, that's where it should be. And um, having said that, having said that, do not worry, um, because it's all about context. So however you were thinking about these things is probably right and relevant in your mind. And um, it's all about context. So the things that I gave you depend upon who you believe you're speaking to, at what time in a negotiation, what time in a relationship, will probably depend upon how you use it. Now, the other thing that you'll find is that the less difference between your descriptions of persuasion and influence, the harder you would find this task. So there's usually 15 questions I read out to people. Um, and the, hard, the less distinction between the two, between persuasion and influence, the harder you would find it and so find it quite tricky. Um, now, I don't know what you've put down. Does anyone want to give us a, an idea of what they put down for influence and persuasion? Anyone wish to share? Do not be shy, my little ones. Anyone want to share? 
I can share you uh, what Simon put through um, in case yeah. anybody thought that was me. I tried to get away with it being me, but then I realised I couldn't. Um, so this is Simon um, who put influence is pointing someone towards something and persuasion is convincing them to do it. That's good. I like that. That's, um, that's an interesting definition. Any others? Got any others, guys? Just come off mute um and, and share your chat influence the plant of change an idea persuasion getting people to do something yeah i like that that's good okay any others i've got i've got one um, so influence i've got to guide and support to to get a desired outcome or to reach a desired outcome perfect great love it and um persuasion i put more convincing nudge <laughs> <laughs> do you know that's brilliant i love it you're absolutely right i think i totally agree with you and then, so persuasion is more about presenting a case. And I don't know if this is, I don't know what the original uh, or the uh, the real definition is, but I think persuasion is about presenting a case in a way to sway the opinion of others. So um, we're pushing people in a particular direction and motivating them towards a decision. And um, you know, influence is much more about um, uh, most motivating people to work together to work with you towards a particular vision or reality without force or coercion. And, um, so moving people towards a particular direction together, more collaborative, cooperative and inclusive and um, without force or co coercion. So here's the thing is that we use influence and persuasion and we use it interchangeably and you can. You'll use persuasive techniques and influence techniques on a regular basis, sometimes literally in the same sentence. Um, the only problem that you've got is that um, persuasive, being persuasive is more tactical. It's more of an in the moment skill. And um, influence is something which is more about you rather than what you say. So if you have a look at people who are influential, they can be influential without necessarily constructing a sentence. And um, so um, the way in which they influence and it may be because of who they are rather than what they do and to more say, and um, he can persuade you at, um, and get more buy-in because that's the difference between persuasion and influence for me as a psychologist is that when you use influential techniques you get more buy-in more commitment and um, when you use persuasive techniques at, um, you can move people into a particular direction at, um, and expedite results so persuasion is good for moving people in a particular direction quite quickly now the only issue that you've got with using tactical stuff like persuasion, is that um, if you haven't built the relationship to be able to be influential, when you use persuasive techniques, they can be manipulative. So I hope that makes sense. And, um, so if you um, have gained the permission to be influential, and, um, then you have permission to use persuasion. If you haven't built a relationship and you just become persuasive, it can be seen as manipulative. And this is what's called, um, uh, you need to be careful what's called um, um, buyer's remorse. The amount of times that we've been persuaded into something. And, um, so, you know, you can persuade a candidate, for example, at, um, to relocate, at, um, but that, does that gain commitment and buy-in? Uh, if you influenced with good evidence and storytelling, at, um, good background um, referencing and um, fact-finding, and allow people to move in a particular direction themselves because you've been consultative, transformational in the way in which you've built the relationship, you're also then allowed to be persuasive. And this is the reason why um, we can be persuasive with our friends is because we've built the relationship. 
and uh, you know you can be persuasive with your friends by saying things like um uh you've been put, you've put on a bit of weight and um what you're saying is that you know you you know you you may need to choose a different lifestyle actually i'm glad someone didn't pop up on screen then can you imagine if someone popped on the screen just like you put a bit of weight <laughs> but that'd be great if someone joined the call at that particular moment wouldn't that be fabulous and um, thank <laughs> god they didn't and um, but and uh, the reason why we can be so honest with our friends and use persuasive techniques and uh, you know stop doing this you need to go and do that that's wrong um that's a persuasive technique and um you are pushing people in a particular direction but we've earned the right to do it. It's not rude because we've earned the right to be influential. So once we build a relationship based upon something which is not tactical, but based upon character, we have more optionality. Now, this is a really important point if you're in sales or business development. The more you build your relationship, the more choice you have over the tactics and strategies you use to move people in a particular direction. You have less optionality, the less the relationship and um, so the variety of persuasion and influence techniques that um, are available to you once people trust you and um, once you've built the relationship properly so you can use persuasion to sell snow to the eskimos it will not allow you to sell snow to the eskimos next year and it's a really important point and um, so once we become more influential but, uh, we can certainly um, uh, have a variety of techniques at, uh, which we could use to expedite results, which means it's worth investing in a relationship in the first place. So why we say the Taylor's um, adage, which is measure twice, cut once, at, um, let's put time into the relationship to allow us to reduce time later if we need to move people in a particular direction. Um, any questions or um, builds or challenges on that particular point at all? No, let's move on. Any um, any contributions on that one? It doesn't need to be. I hope that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think everyone's up to speed with you at the moment, Jamil. Wait until later. Perfect. So, so, so persuasion and influence are inextricably linked, um, but they're not necessarily at um, separate tactics. And if you use them separately, at, um, you may get into trouble. At, um, let's look at being influential before we can be persuasive. So there's a really big difference between character ethic and personality ethic. So um, if you read self-help books from 300 years ago, um, I've mentioned this to you before, at, uh, you read self-help books from 300 years ago, there are all these lovely words which are called character ethic words. So servitude, loyalty, endeavor, um, beautiful words which allow you to be successful. At, um, but 100 years ago it changed, it became about personality ethic how to win friends and influence people, um, how to, um, NLP is a personality ethic thing, how to match rapport, mirroring, all these sort of things. So um, if you had good character ethic, it enables you to be influential. Personality ethic is more about being persuasive. And if you look at people like um, uh, Boris Johnson, um, uh, Donald Trump. These are really good examples of personality ethics. At, um, they are persuasive because they're charismatic. They can move people in the moment at, um, by their personality. If you look at people like, um, I don't know, Jacinda Ardern, you look at like, Helen Merkel, and um, you would suggest that they have good character ethic. And um, what they stand for, consistency in their values allows them to be trusted and build relationships, which then enable them to be persuasive if they choose to be. 
Okay. And, um, let's move on a bit into the steps that good influencers take. And, um, this is stolen from Bradford and Cohen 2005 influence model, if you're into your psychology. And, um, but um, so these are the steps that good influencers take. We'll run through them. Um, and there's really sort of six steps. And, um, you'll probably see this play out in some of the people who, um, um, who um, you believe are influential. You think about some of the people who are influential, um, who you know in business or in life, um, you'll probably see some of these things play out. Um, the first um, Bradford and Cohen talked about is that assume that everyone can help you. Uh, assume that everyone is a potential ally and it's a really useful way of thinking. Um, sometimes when you're in a meeting and you get challenged by someone, and someone says, well, hang on a minute, what do you mean by that? Um, we can start to get into combat or conflict. So what we can do is that we can choose um, to be affected by it. And um, so what we tend to do is we tend to think, hang on a minute, this person's disagreeing with us. Um, that means that they are being combative. Um, and we may lose confidence, we may become more aggressive, it might be anything. But let's assume that everyone is a potential ally. Let's assume that everyone can help. It's a really good way of thinking. So I always say that good influencers don't necessarily believe there are obstacles. So obstacles don't obstruct, they instruct. And it's a really useful way of looking at, um, at challenge at a, or, um, uh, or um, uh, responses to what you're trying to sell, um, which you believe are negative. So um, if we look at things which are uh, obstacles, not being obstructions, but being instructions, they simply tell us that there's a different way to get around there. There's a different way to get to the place that we need to get to. So let's believe that anyone who challenges us at, um, is useful because it tells us something about what we need to do to move forwards. Um, the second bit is prioritizing objectives, clarify your goals. And um, how often do you clarify your goals? The way in which we influence people particularly well at, um, is to identify primary and secondary goals. And um, so let's tell people and signpost where we want to get to. So, you know, what I'd like to achieve with you is, at, um, you know, where I'd like to get to in six months times where we can shake hands and agree that these three things have happened. So good influences will always clarify um, objectives, first and second, primary and second, primary and secondary. Um, understand the other person's situation is number three. So assume that everyone can help you is number one, prioritize objectives, number two. Number three, understand the other person's situation. So diagnose the world as the other person. What are their primary responsibilities is a really good question. Uh, uh, what peer, what peer, um, in regard to their peer experience, where's the peer pressure? So you might ask someone, let's use the relocation um, example. But, um, are you prepared to relocate? Yes. But, um, what does your wife think about it? I haven't had that conversation yet, but I'm sure that she'll like it. But, um, so let's understand the peer pressure that people um, are um, under. Uh, let's uh, also understand what people expect of that person. So that's different. So some people, candidates and clients may be under peer pressure, but also what do other people expect of this person? And it's a different question. And um, so, um, you know, you might be speaking to someone in procurement, you might be speaking to someone in um, finance. Um, what do people expect of them? Um, they expect robust decision-making? Do they expect um, uh, for them to um, have uh, transparency? over their suppliers and uh, it's worth having a conversation which is outside of some of the uh, metrics that we talk about um, and what is important to this person so let's diagnose the world as the other person what's identify and um, what's important to them um, analyze the relationship 
And, um, so um, there's something called currencies, and I'll share a little bit of it with you now. And, um, so currencies are the way in which people, um, what people think is important to them. So some people like inspiration-related currencies. So inspiration-related currencies are all about, um, why don't you excite me? So if you're selling to me because you've commoditized your service and you're saying that you're cheaper, you know, am I motivated by that? Or am I inspired because this could be a great relationship which could transform the business? It's going to move us from transactional relationships to transformational. And I mean, but truly build something which you know, is inspiring and motivational. Task-related currencies, that term is one. And um, task-related currencies is all about, um, I don't want to be inspired, actually. I just want to get the job done. And, um, can you just provide me with a service which is you know, easy to understand? Um, Position-related currencies. Position-related currencies is that how does my reputation and visibility improve by working with you? Relationship-related currencies. I want to work with someone who's like me. And, um, you know, I'm sort of fairly informal. I like to work outside the process. Can you work in a way which is relevant to me? And then personal related currencies and personal related currencies, you know, are all about, um, I believe in a relationship. So can we build a relationship on equal lines that have an equal understanding? So analyzing the relationship and then make the exchange is the final one. So just to run, run past them before I complete on make the exchange. But, uh, so assume that everyone can help, it's really important. And, uh, so assume everyone is uh, in your um, uh, particular uh, can help you achieve what you want to achieve. Prioritize objectives. Um, understand the other person's situation. And to under identify what matters. And to analyze the relationship and then make the exchange. Make the exchange is all about. Um, and there has to be a completion. This thing that people say always be closing. A B C. You know, if you sell and then you don't close, you're simply selling on your competitor's behalf. At, um, so make the exchange and uh, make sure that people know that there's a conclusion or a step forward and advancement in the relationship. So here's my notes on it. Uh, here we are on Bradford and Cohen notes. Oops, there. So <laughs> here's my notes on it. And, um, and what you'll see is that um, assume that everyone can help you prioritize objectives, understand the other person's situation, what matters to them, analyze the relationship and make the exchange. Um, currencies are really useful. You know, I'm sorry that we're flying through it a bit. I really want to do Kipney and Caldini with you today because they're really useful to understand. Um, but um, without spending too much time on it, the currencies bit, what's important to other people, you would have spoken about it before, you would have read about it before, you will already be doing it. Um, I don't think we spend enough time doing it. <laughs> I honestly believe that I need to think more about not just the individual, the role that we're selling to or uh, involved in the relationship with, but the actual individual. And um, so let's have a think about the individual much more so and, um, than their position in the business and what's important to them. Um, does anyone want to share anything at this stage on this one? Not looking like it, Jamil. No, okay, you don't feel, have to. feel free, guys, no, at any point. I know, do you know what? I know it's difficult because we are rushing through things. I really want to get through, you know, and again, you know, this, um, exactly. I think this session for you isn't going to tell you how to do things so brilliantly well with influence and persuasion. I just hope there's going to be one or two provocations. So one or two sentences, you think, you know what, maybe I could do this more of, you know, or this is an interesting one. Maybe um, this could be useful for 
client relationship you're in at the moment. Um, Caldini was very good. And um, let me write it for you because you can check him out afterwards. Um, mm -hmm. Oops, some reason I can't type in here. No, it's not letting me. Um, but Caldini is C-I-A, C-I-A, L-D-I-N-I. Um, there's loads of influencing and persuading, persuasion models. And, um, uh, but this, I think Caldini, all the work I've done in this area, Caldini and Kipney are the best. Um, Caldini was great. He did some really interesting work on how to influence and persuade people. Some of his early work was very funny. He, um, he did you know, did you know if you ask a, as a, as a chap, if you ask a girl out outside a flower shop, I don't know, a stranger, there's a girl walking past the flower shop and you asked her out, you are 36% more likely to get a date with her at a, if she's directly outside the flower shop. You know that, amazing. And because of a subconscious, subconscious association with flowers and romance, Isn't that incredible. You've made, uh, Gary, you've made Gary Lincoln's day to me. He was, he, was, he was looking for an angle in. Uh, I'm always trying it on outside the pawn shop. That's where I'm going wrong. That's P A W N. P A W. Let me clarify that. P A W. Outside the local butchers. That's right. <laughs> but, but Caldini. Caldini did some more sensible work a little bit later. So this is Caldini's sensible work a little bit later. Let me read it to you. And, um, he believes that reciprocity is key. It's genuinely true. If you want to influence and persuade people well, reciprocity is key. I genuinely believe it's the probably the number one factor in, in principles of influencing. So he said that as human beings, we like concessions and discounts offered to us because we then feel indebted to others. And it's some brilliant work in this space. Um, uh, Milgram did some work in this space. Um, if uh, Milgram did this experiment where he got these two people to um, come in and do an interview, doing a test. And so what had happened was that these two people doing a test, one of them was an actor. So one of them would then get up halfway through, go to the drinks machine and um, get out two Cokes and, um, and then put one on the desk of the other person, the stranger, and, um, and say to the stranger, I thought you might be thirsty. It's quite hot in here. You know, I am. And, uh, and then would carry on doing the test. Then they would get to the end of the test, go and get their their bags and whatever else to go out and the person the actor who got the coke for the other person would then say i'm selling some raffle tickets today would you like to buy some raffle tickets there was a 74 percent uptake on those who the person gave the coke to at um so we like reciprocity and uh, we like to feel indebted and there's all sorts of ways in which you can do that in which you can give concessions so when people say to you do you um do you negotiate what that usually means is do you discount and, um, but you can um, avoid that sometimes by giving up from and, um, and it might be something really simple. So I don't know how many times you'll send a link, link excuse me, send a link to one of your clients and say that um, I saw this is happening in your sector. I thought of you last night. This might be helpful to you. And, um, so even just sending a link to, link to an article is reciprocity. You're thinking about your client seven o'clock in the evening and you're um, sending them something which could be useful to them. So um, reciprocity is key. Have a think about how you may choose to use it. And then what can you give to people to allow um, them to carry favor? Commitment, also consistency is number two. So commitment, and, um, so consistency is all about um, when people commit to things, they are more likely to go through with them. So this is why gamblers will throw good money after bad. So if you make a um, small commitment to something 
um, you feel invested. So let's allow people to invest. So I mean, again, it's the difference between contingency search, you know, and retained. People made a commitment, you know, they're more likely to invest in the process, in the relationship. So how can we get people to commit early? Uh, because small plus small plus small equals big. So sometimes if you go for the transaction, we'll take care of, you know, this, we'll take care of this sort of managed agency agreement, and um, we'll do this in a big way. But um, you might be better off looking at small commitments where people start to invest. So I'm going to fact find for you. But um, this is what I need from you. But um, so this is where um, we work together in a small way and um, to get us work into a working relationship. And these small commitments can be really good. So a friend of mine, he helps people give up smoking. But, um, and he always says that, you know, if a, if a mate came over to him and said, can you help me give up smoking? Um, he could say, yeah, sure. Turn up to my place next week and we'll do it. Um, he says it probably won't work. And the reason why is there's no commitment. If he said to his friend, it's a thousand pounds and you need to turn up at three o'clock in the morning next Thursday, he said it'll probably work because that person has something to lose. So they've already invested in it. So once we can get people to commit in any way, they've already bought into the idea of working with us. Social proof is relies on people's sense of safety in numbers. Uh, we like to do things that other people are doing. In terms of social proof. So when does social proof go wrong? It goes wrong when you use the um, wrong sort of people um, to align your client or candidate, for example, with. So if I was um, selling to a fintech uh, and I said, I'm working at Lloyds Bank, I'm working with RBS and NatWest, um, that's not social proof um, because this new startup company doesn't want to be like them. So I'm referencing banks, but, um, it doesn't make any difference that they're in banking. I might as well reference someone else who's doing some exciting stuff because that's who they want to be like. So be careful of social proof. Um, liking, we are more likely to be influenced by people we like, but, um, which is true. But, um, you are more likely to try a product on the word of a trusted friend than you are a 50 million pound advertising campaign. That's um, evidentially correct. So therefore, word of mouth is brilliant. But, um, this is why referral and testimonial is good. And uh, we like to work with people who we like. Uh, authority, we feel a sense of duty or obligation to people in position. And um, an authority can be useful. And um, so um, authority would be, um, uh, do you know, if we don't get that information by whenever, unfortunately, I can't offer you that deal. And uh, we use an authority. And, um, you know, I need to be able to speak to other stakeholders in your business or we won't understand you well enough to provide the service levels that you, um, that you deserve. I'm using authority. I'm, I'm actually saying to you, if you don't give me this, I'm not going to give you that. Um, and we use it all the time. Authority, you have to be careful with. And the reason why is that it's a bit like smoking. It's no good for you. You don't like doing it. We don't like using authority. It's no good for those of us around, at, around us. At, um, and it also permeates. So if you said to someone, at, um, we're going to pull the license on this if you don't, pay our fees. They go off and tell everyone else. It's a useful technique and it's usually used to expedite things. At, um, so you can say to someone, look, I'll be really happy to help you um, with um, persuading your procurement people or providing you procurement people, but I'm on, I'm on leave next week. So we'd have to do it this week if you need my help on it. At, um, so what we're doing is using a bit of authority. If you want me to help you, then you need to fit into my timescales. Scarcity. So more, things are more attractive when they're not available. 
But um, the fact that Simon is taken makes him seem substantially more handsome. But, um, so scarcity is all about, it could be time, could be money, could be anything. Um, this is the sales technique that you see about, um, um, uh, um, you have to buy it by 12 o'clock so I won't be able to hold the price any longer. Um, and those sort of techniques are a bit crass. But, um, the problem with them is that if you don't hold them to be true, then they will never, people will never trust you again. So you should have, you should have reciprocity, commitment, social proof, liking, authority, and scarcity. Uh, now, what's really interesting with Caldini um, is that you'll see these techniques play out all the time. We use them all the time, but don't forget that clients use them on you too. And um, so they'll say all sorts of things such as, uh, you know, well, look, you know, we've, we've given you this, so can you not give us that? Um, we've been with you 10 years now, and um, so therefore we'd like to try and negotiate a better deal on whatever. Um, commitment, and, um, can you write a proposal on this, please, for us? Usually when someone says, they, right, can you write us a proposal, it means can you get out of my office? There's no commitment to see the proposal again, is there? And, um, there's no meaning in regard to when you come back and present it. And, uh, authority, and, um, well, look, you know what, I'm, I make all the decisions around here, so you can't speak to my stakeholders. And, um, it really goes through me. And um, you'll start working with us, then, you know, really starts with me. There's no point in you speaking to anyone else around here. So we need to be careful about these techniques can be used either way. But um, what you'll see as well is that the techniques are so good, um, the Caldini techniques, um, that um, you'll see them play out even in algorithms now. So do you know when you go on these websites and you see um, social proof, um, 12 of your friends are looking at this now. Seen that one? But, um, Simon knows that's a lie because he doesn't have 12 mates. But, um, but I think you will see that on websites now. So that's like those 12, 12 of your friends looking at this. Um, so social proof. Um, scarcity. At, um, only 21 tickets left. At, um, seven tickets sold in the last half hour. Um, so the techniques are so good, you'll actually see them play out now you know, in some of the technology that we use. Um, is there any questions on that at all? Or any inputs? I'm sorry of flying through it a bit. We should have made our session longer today. Is there anything else? All good at the moment, Jamil. Okay. Well, look, let's, um, let's try and fly through Kipney a little bit, and then we can have a little discussion at the end, you know, on this one. Let's say I'm sorry that we're rushing through it, but um, it'd be nice if there's one or two things that you, you think might be useful in here. So Kipney did something slightly different. This is what he did. We'll run through it for you. And, um, but you'll also see why it's quite useful at, um, in regard to influencing them. We'll discuss briefly the difference between the two. So he said, rational persuasion is good. Most of what you use on a day-to-day -day base to build relationships or negotiate or influence is rational persuasion. That's what you'll use. And um, so you should eat broccoli, it's good for you. And um, you'll live longer. That's rational persuasion, and um, we use it often. So most of what you'll use is evidentially correct, and um, you'll try and provide some facts. Kipney then said inspirational appeals, and, uh, and inspirational appeals are incredibly important, particularly at the moment. We want to be inspired, we want to be motivated. The JFK speech is a brilliant, um, a brilliant example of inspiration, brilliant. Um, and they put a man on the moon. If you read the speech, it makes no sense whatsoever. So it's one of the most powerful speeches of all time. 
Um, and not only did it mobilize a whole nation behind a space race, it actually mobilized a whole nation at, um, behind science, incredible. Um, if you read it, there's no rationality. So he says, we'll put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. And do you know why we'll do it? We'll do it because it's hard and not easy, which is a rubbish reason, isn't it, really? And, um, so no logic. And, uh, but the reason why the rationality, uh, the reason why the inspiration was so high is because the rationality was so low. So if your rationality is low, you can use inspirational appeals, motivate people. Consultation, Kipney talked about. So Kipney said consultation is important. The best way to get someone to understand an idea is for them to believe it was their own. So, and once we get to co-author and co-create, start to ask some good questions rather than try to give people the right answers, then we can move people in a particular direction. So consultation, and that's exactly what a lot of you guys will be doing anyway. Ingratiation, getting someone to help because you get them into a good mood by being friendly, helpful, or using flattery. No point to expand upon that point because you're clever people, you get it, don't you? See what I did there? Yeah, see what I did there. <laughs> and, um, so personal appeals, referring to friendship and loyalty. And this is where you need to be careful again with clients and candidates, isn't it really? And um, personal appeals. And, um, we've worked with you for 10 years. We want a discount now. And I've uh, worked with you for 10 years and I want to do it differently. So once we're personal and these personal appeals, will you just help me out on this one? Exchange, making express or implied promises and trading favors. And um, so um, it'd be great to do this in this small area. If you do it in this small area for you and to provide some contractors and uh, make it all work, and, um, I think that we can expand this or roll this out across the whole business. Whole of manufacturing and production, and, uh, I think we can do something really significant, but let's just get it working in this little area first. And, um, let's make sure it works. Exchange, I'm making an express or implied promise. And, um, this is gonna be great for you. It's gonna be amazing for both of us. What a relationship we're gonna have, but let's start small. And, um, so we're promising things. Again, that's something which is used on you guys probably all the time. Let's just start, start this small and then I'll introduce you to other stakeholders across other plants or other, other um, uh, offices. Coalition tactics, getting others to support your effort to persuade someone. If you did a good job with um, uh, marketing, then why don't you go to their communications department and say, speak to the marketing guys, they'll tell you what a good job we've done there. And terms say coalition tactics, silent allies or strategic um, uh, allies. Pressure, demanding compliance or using intimidation or threats. And um, that is an influence technique. We covered it a little bit with the Caldini thing, which I'm putting pressure on people. You need to make a decision by 12 because otherwise I can't hold this. And um, someone's gonna, this person's gonna go elsewhere if you don't decide today. Um, legitimating ta tactics. So legitimating tactics um, based upon um, rules or policies. I would love to do this for you, but, um, but compliance won't let me. But, um, so we're blaming policy. But, um, do you know what? But, um, we can make this work, but the only problem I've got is um, governance on this one. But, um, it's a really interesting idea, but health and safety won't allow me to do this to you. But, um, so, um, so once we start talking in that way and using public policy or corporate policy, we can be influential. What you should have on Kipney? is rational persuasion, inspirational appeals, consultation, ingratiation, 
personal appeals, exchange, coalition tactics, pressure, legitimating tactics too. Be careful of what I write in my papers, really, when I show them. But, um, okay, look, what you'll see at, um, is that Caldini is much more about influence. Um, Kipney probably fits more, um, and Kipney, K-I-P-N-I. Um, Caldini probably fits more into um, influence, Kipney into persuasion. But, um, all I'll ask of you from our little hour together but, um, is to have a little run through at um, these. Um, if I want, do you know what I'll do to make this even easier is that I'll send this through to Simon and Simon can distribute it. And um, that's probably easier. Have a little look. At, um, you might want to think in the context, context of an a, um, a relationship you're in at the moment. Um, or you might want to think in the context of you and your negotiation, influence, persuasion um, techniques. Is there something here that I could use more of? Is there something here that I'm pretty good at? You know, maybe I could do more of. Um, you know, this is a natural area for me. So maybe I should turn the volume up on this particular technique. Um, you know, but you might want to say, um, uh, I quite like the idea of um, using more reciprocity, more reciprocity or commitment. And what I need to do is, um, but I think that you don't need to use all these tactics. You don't need to um, uh, try and become expert at them all. Um, it's more about having a look at what fits in with you on a personal level, <clears throat> which makes it easier for you to use and commit to. Um, I think there's a variety of tools here or thinking, um, which you could probably explore more of. Um, we've got 10 minutes left because we rushed through today. At, um, uh, is there anything that we should cover or any clarity that you want on this or any questioning? At, um, do I have a favorite? Um, I quite like authority. Well, like pushing and people are doing stuff through force coercion i don't really but um i um, um no do you know what i think reciprocity is key at the moment um if you think about it what do people want um i don't think that people want to be sold to at the moment i think people want to be engaged with you know i think that people um want someone who's on their side you know, someone who's looking out for them and uh, i think people want hand holding through change so let's not see people as atomized consumers to be sold to, um, but more of a, an essential network and partnership to be engaged with. So the more that we can start giving to people more insight and more, um, more um, analysis and understanding, maybe the more likely they are to come on board our journey as we start to develop um, uh, into more of a growth phase. So I think it's really important at the moment to try and look at reciprocity. I think that's a good one. But um, I think to get people to still commit to us, still hand, you know, um, be um, involved in, uh, with us in some way is useful. But, um, and I think that um, uh, if we can start to move together, as I say, a central partnership, it's probably a good place to be rather than trying to sell to people and proactively try to grow our business through a variety of ta tactics, which may be unseemly at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so market insight at the moment, um, I'd say two things. But, um, I'd say the LinkedIn yet yeah, is good, but, um, but I would say um, there's nothing better than um, uh, connectivity with your peers. So this is why I'm a big champion of this network and um, the work that Simon does. Um, is there's nothing better than speak to people at home um, here in the business. 
Um, and I do think that, you know, we'll probably move hopefully away from competition and into cooperation. At, uh, so move away from economies of scale into economies of networks. Um, so I think that, you know, what we need to do is to make the most of the network that you're currently in. Um, let's start to understand some of the markets at home and some of the ways in which they play into each other. Because sometimes, you know, you think if you're in this particular area, someone else is in that, there's no relation. Um, but they are. The problem that we've got is that we don't think systemically. And if something is happening over here, which means it will probably happen over here in some way. So I think the greater connectivity that we have, the greater market insight we're allowed. On the, um, I've got something around that pressure technique, um, Jamil, and how dangerous a game that is, because and it, it also kind of coincides with your thoughts at the moment. It's about sort of, you know, giving back um, and collaboration. That technique of unless you sign it by then, um, you can't have it. Um, that's quite a dangerous, you're living on the edge a bit with that one, aren't you? Not living on the edge, but, you know, it, it's, um, it's quite a dangerous game, isn't it? How do you overcome that? Because I see that as quite a good technique. Um, but maybe it's the wrong technique for now. Yeah, I think that you have to, you have to, you have to build your relationship to be allowed to do it. So, you know, we see, um, you know, anyone from sort of software sales to car salespeople do that. But um, I can hold that price for this long. And um, I've got three other people after it. But if you buy it today, and um, now if that's done uh, in a manner which hasn't allowed a level of integrity and trust to be built. Then what happens is that um, it's seen as it can be seen as a manipulative technique, and um, we're allowed to say that to friends because we built the relationship. So what we need to do is to build a relationship. So um, I think that, and this is my point about optionality. You know, you have, we all have choices to use a variety of techniques, no matter how crass. And um, you know, once people believe in who we are, you know, and I think that businesses and salespeople are going wrong at the moment, and particularly in influence, negotiation, and persuasion by thinking about what they can have rather than what they can be. So if you put at the forefront of your negotiation what you can have, it's completely different to what you can be in relation to that relationship. So you know, what we want to be is an essential partner. What we want to be is a sort of trusted advisor. You know, what we want to be is a, um, you know, is a consultant. And um, you know, if what you want to be is someone who satisfies immediate sales targets, um, you know, unfortunately we may be perceived as that. So I think that um, it's a really useful tool, um, but there is a sensitivity to it. I think one thing that, um, uh, that makes it work, and we haven't had time to cover it today, but, um, is storytelling. So storytelling is a lost art. So um, when we storytell, if you imagine if someone, an alien came down to this earth um, and you, could, you had to tell them all about this earth, but you weren't allowed to tell them a story. Um, it would be impossible, we'd share data, facts, and evidence, but it doesn't give the alien a three-dimensional picture of who we are. What do we do when we present to clients? And um, we, we do evidence, data, statistics, that's what we do. It doesn't give a three-dimensional picture of you know, who we are together. Um, what it does is position at, um, you know, what we want. So you know, I think that um, storytelling, and there's lots of different stories you can tell, and uh, storytelling allows people to gain a more three-dimensional picture. Not every tribe on this planet uses the wheel, but every single civilization and tribe on this planet uses storytelling. So it's amazingly powerful. You know, when was the last time that you know you guys told a story? And, um, and the story might be in front of a client in regard to why you do this job and why you join this company. It might be values in action. And um, you know, we believe in innovation. And can I just tell you a story of 
what happened the other day, and which proves that this is so important to us. But, um, you know, um, in regard to moving people into a particular space and changing a mood, storytelling is incredibly powerful, and, um, and we should all, you know, use it much more, um, uh, much more um, uh, aggressively. But, um, we are, you know, we are natural storytellers, and we absolutely need to use it more to allow people to change, a, a change how they think, change how they feel, and change how they act. Those are three things that we're after, isn't it? The client relationship, change how people think, how they feel, or how they act. Um, yeah, this is why I think, yeah, look at Stevie Wonder. Stevie Wonder can get you from sad to happy in three minutes uh, because of the art of storytelling and uh, he tell a story to music. And um, so, you know, I think there's a leaf to be taken out of the books of comedians and, and musicians you know, on how we can change an experience of people to allow them to move into a different perspective. Are there, um, are there, are there templates around that? kind of thing Jamil, which i know sounds like a ridiculous question but we've got people like... you know what? That's, that's, honestly it's a fucking amazing question look yes there is yes we've got one here yeah <laughs> yes, yes it's, part of the course. it's part of the course it's, it's like we set this up it is a um, bit like i'd say that up but you, I, I generally didn't and nor did you um yeah look at that it's amazing Show me go. got time. We've got six minutes so do people need to leave at one or not yeah, no, not no. Well, not necessarily. Uh, anybody that does can leave, can't they? But I'm not going. Right, anywhere, right. So. You know what? This is really useful. This is really, really useful. And um, I spend about three hours on this with people when I take this course. But um, but let me just read it out to you. And it does. It's a framework for storytelling. And um, I never knew you were so smart. But, um, so. Welcome everybody. But, um, so um, so there's types of stories that you can tell. This is stolen. I stole this from Annette Simmons. Um, whoever tells the best stories wins. Um, it's a great book. It's brilliant. So whoever tells the best story wins. And uh, so why? Who are my stories? So who are my stories about my history, my values? And um, we sit in front of people and we talk about the business. And, um, why do we sit in front of people you know, and talk about you know what we believe in? And um, so and, you know I'm here as a representative of whatever. Let me just tell you why I joined the company, because what's important to me, I hope is going to be important to you. Let's tell some stories about who we, you know, who I am. Um, why am I here stories? And why do you do this job? And, um, you know, why are you sat in front of this person? And, um, you know, what's, you know, you know, what's the story, what's the narrative, what's the background? And, um, you know, how did this come about? Um, teaching stories. So teaching stories are great. And uh, it gives people a different perspective. So if you look at, um, and Guinness adverts are a great example of storytelling. So Guinness adverts will give you 70% of the message. You make up 30% of the message and you feel clever. Not only do you feel clever, but you feel engaged and actually part of the advert. So 70-30% communication is great. Um, and this is about teaching the stories and get people to you know, think about something. We use it all the time. Metaphor is a great way to teach people. Um, you know, this situation that you're in at the moment you know, reminds me of a ship in a difficult sea. So metaphor storytelling is metaphor story uh, telling is uh, storytelling is brilliant. So and it gets people to teach, at, um, uh, or learn something by not imparting information. If you impart information, train. If you impart information, you rob people of the experience of discovery. So they're much more inclined to believe in your relationship when they've experienced discovery rather than being told something. So you can either point out two facts on a page and say, this is what it means. Or you can point out two facts on a page and say, you can probably see the link here or the connection. So 
but yeah, I can actually. And, um, it's a much more engaging way of getting people to see things. Um, vision stories and um, set out a vision. This is inspirational, and we all need inspiration at the moment, don't we? But um, you know, I'm really looking forward to working with you because I think what we could do in this space could be award-winning. You know, if it's award-winning, that um, you know, we get a chance to really develop this, you know, on a much more significant level. So, <clears throat> vision stories are great. Values in action stories. You can tell people about the poster on your wall and, um, or you can give some examples of um, how um, you brought them to life. I had a brilliant one the other day. I, I do a lot of work with, um, uh, with uh, Lloyd's Banking Group and their commercial banking. There's a girl there who's only been there like two months um, and she um, is telling great stories to her clients. Um, and it's done through discovery. She said, do you know what? I joined Lloyd's Banking Group because I thought it was going to be like this. Um, and I only found out the other day and, um, that um, they're actually involved in that as well. Let me tell you what they're doing in this space. I never even knew it. And so she was really excited about a discovery that she had made with her employer, which showed the value in action. You know, when was the last time that we did this? And um, we talked from that perspective. Um, and then I know what your thinking stories I know what your thinking stories are addressing objections up front. Um, you are 38% more likely, 38% more likely to overcome an objection if you brought it up. And, um, so um, bringing up objections in advance um, is quite a healthy way of working. So, um, so it's usually at this point that people think that we're quite expensive. But let me tell you a story, uh, which is more about value, much more so than cost. And, uh, it's usually at this point where people think that in you know, term this process may be long-winded but can I show you why it's a false economy not to do it let me tell you a story now once we start to sort of tell stories it's a bit like you're moving someone from contingency to 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 retained for example in term at um let me tell you why at um you get greater levels of commitment with retained search than you do contingency recruitment at um yeah here's a story actually, which illustrates why this could work very well for a company like yours uh, so, um, so once we start to tell stories and uh, we move people not just into different thinking, so not into different doing, sorry, but different thinking and a different mood. Um, it's a really nice way to change a mood, telling a story. If you're in conflict with someone, I say, look, you just, can I just tell you a story a second? Please remind me of something. It's, a, it's what's called an offbeat. And the offbeat moves people out of the direction of travel into a space that they weren't expecting and then back into that space again. So it's a lovely way of working. I feel as though I've done all the talking in this interactive session. I didn't realise there was so much to get through. It's my fault. I should have put less into it, or we should have said it's an hour and a half, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should have done. No one would have signed off if it's an hour and a half, Jamil. No one's got any time anymore. So they, so they tell me. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I know it was nice. I think, guys, you know, I think with this, I mean, I'll send a few pages through to you. Um, it's a 35-page course, um, which usually takes people eight hours to get through. And there's lots of discussion, you know, lots of you know, bringing to life the stories or bringing to life the techniques, sorry. But, um, but um, I think, um, you know, for the moment, if you have a look at Kipney, let me see if I can type in here. For some reason, I'm not able to. Oh, I am. Actually, look, I can do it now. Um, I'm free range. So um, Kipney, and, um, Kipney and Caldini, have a look at those. Um, and just have a little read. It's worth a wonder. You don't need to read any big, long books on it. Um, just have a look at the principles. But the key with all of this is to play to our own strengths. You do all these things all the time. And um, so, you know, we're doing it constantly. Um, Simmons book, at, um, it's actually um, Simmons, 
It's a really good book, actually. Um, whoever tells the best stories wins. Whoever tells the best stories wins. Um, and then what you do is um, I have a little wonder. Think about the stuff which is relevant to you. Um, you might want to think about an existing relationship that might be changed by a level of provocation by looking at one of these words or ideas. Um, you might want to think about something that you could use more of this year at on a macro level, completely up to you. But, um, but the more that we think about these things and build time to do them, um, you know, the more likely we are to get favourable results rather than just simply going into influence and persuasion with a particular client, candidate or whoever at, um, on the on the um, uh, on the hoof, because that's what we're doing at the moment. At the moment, we're not building in time and space. We're going from one call to another call. So I think if we think about what we're trying to achieve and create and in our relationships and then think about some of the techniques that we can deploy at um, maybe we're more likely to keep to some sort of framework or understanding of the tactics and strategies as we come to enter some of these conversations. Fantastic. Uh, we just had um, somebody join, I think, but they're from Spain. So I think you might have got the wrong time uh, time thing there, Una, sadly. Um, Jamil, is there anything else you'd like to add? Well, well, actually, before we go any further, is anybody that would like to um, to ask anything else, uh, Jamil, based on what we've heard, which has been a whole host of eight hours condensed, basically, into one. Um, so thank you for, for, uh, for doing that, Jamil. Loads yeah. and loads to learn. Has anybody got any questions that they would like to uh, suppose any to get on a topic? I'm Was fine it? to get past two o'clock, by the way. I'm all right. I haven't got anything on till like 3.30. Okay. Um, you keep telling me you're back to back with everything. That's why you're ignoring all my phone calls. Yes, that's why I keep telling you, but I'm talking to the audience here. People have joined <laughs> the call. I'm free for everyone else on these little screens till 3.30. If it's just you, I better rush. I'm, I'm washing my hair. <laughs> Always rushing your hair. I mentioned earlier, would, um, couldn't get in. Are you a fan of Dale Carnegie, Win Friends and Influence? No, I'm not. It, um, and, the, um, and the reason why, and I don't mean this in any rude way, um, uh, is that um, Dale Carnegie wrote How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and I sometimes think that some techniques are a little bit um, manipulative. So, um, so they're personality-based. And I think we need to be really careful of that. And um, so um, I think that some of the um, techniques which are based upon who we are at, um, are the most useful. So the ones which are <coughs> character ethic-based more than personality ethic-based. So I think there's a place but I think that if you are looking at working with decision makers, you can use personality. If you're looking at working with policy makers, we need to use character. We want people to buy into some um, uh, you know, more effective long-term strategic partnerships. Uh, we need to prove who we are, at, uh, which is more important than laughing at the right jokes, you know, shaking hands in the right way, and some of these um, tools and techniques for winning people over in the short term. So, um, you know, I'm sure it has a place, but it's not necessarily for me. Are those techniques also quite antiquated? I mean, I don't know, I have not read that book myself, but some of these things now just aren't fit for the, for the environment we're in, are they? Well, do you know what? Things have changed because we're online as well now, and, um, and we haven't covered that at all today. And, um, but, um, but when I used to do this eight hour course, it used to be in a classroom. Um, but now, um, uh, taking it online, it's actually sort of changes some of these sort of techniques. So, you know, we need to be really sort of careful, particularly listening with impact. So listening with impact is an incredibly important part, um, part of influence and persuasion. 
Um, but we don't, um, it's hard to listen with impact at, um, and to speak with impact uh, when we're online because we're not getting subconscious clues. I've got a window opposite me. Um, we tend to have another screen next to us. It's all the stuff that you wouldn't do if you were sat in a meeting with someone. So, you know, if we're sat directly opposite someone and there's lots of stuff that we wouldn't do, which we do now online. So um, it's a much harder platform um, for us to influence and persuade in a way which we did before. And it's, I think this is why this is such a popular course for all you know, the sort of organizations I'm working with is because people are finding it much harder to have some better client relationships and conversations when you know, we're speaking to a computer. Is there a standout trick then, Jamil, that you can suggest that, I know there's loads and loads of stuff to it, but is there something stand out that, you know, you get invited to another Zoom call or you're inviting your client and they've said yes to a Zoom call. Is there something that you can do online which has an, it impacts successfully every single time? Um, a few things, always look into the camera. I don't do that, I do it really badly. I'm usually sort of looking at scanning faces. Problem with scanning faces is that it looks like you're reading so um, if it looks like you're reading, then you're not listening and speaking with, <coughs> with impact. Sorry, my throat's gone. They need to be careful. Um, uh, if you wear glasses, be careful because people can read what's on your screen. And um, so you need to be careful. And, um, so there's all sorts of things that you need to think about. Um, so look into the camera because it looks like you're making eye contact. That's an important thing. Many, most people don't do that. And, um, so, um, so that's a good technique. And the other one is um, create some time and space. Don't go back to back. Back to back is bloody awful. So, you know, once you start doing something at one, something at two, something at three, and not creating time and space. So the one thing that I would say, and which is most useful, um, is to create some thinking time. So one of the things that I do on this course, which I wonder if it is to hand, um, is um, stakeholder mapping. And stakeholder mapping is all about thinking about, you know, who we're engaging with, not just our, our um, original stakeholder, but who is influential, who has authority. Let's build some proper time thinking about um, the context and network that we're in, where we're trying to move people, the tactics and strategies we can do for doing so, and, um, and think about what we're hearing and getting feedback on you know, as we start to engage. Um, the one thing that we're doing really badly that doesn't allow this sort of stuff to happen um, is, um, is we're, we're overactive, we're working too hard. So once we go from one thing to another, um, we're not thinking about the effect that we're having on other people and, um, and, um, and some of the ways in which we can move people into a different space. So I think um, one simple technique, which is tactical, look into the camera, and, um, think about the audience. Um, second one is, um, is create time and space to think about you know, where we're trying to move people. There's a big difference between a continuation and an advance. You know, in sales, you get this um, um, a continuation. I tell you, salespeople say to me before that, you know, I can create client relationship with so-and-so. It's a brilliant client relationship. I can go and see them anytime I want. And, um, and all that means is that this person enjoys wasting their time and your time. So it's a continuation. So an advancement is getting closer to a transaction. And I think that because energy levels are, um, uh, are so important at the moment, um, let's have a think about the advancements we can make more so than just the continuations. So, um, you know, what just maintains the relationship, but what genuinely puts us into a better stead, what genuinely positions us differently to our competitors, what creates impact? I'm telling you, know, where's, where's real and meaningful, sustainable value at the moment? <clears throat> Once we start having conversations with ourselves like that, 
and having the time and space to have those conversations, you know, we're much more likely to uh, uh, indulge in the right behaviours um, to allow people to engage with us productively. Terrific. Thank you, Jamil. I mean, a bit like the storytelling, mate. Uh, you know, um, get some stories together. Have a think about some stories. But, you know, what, let's have a think about the, the, the brand values and why, you know, you, um, how you are aligned to them as an individual. Um, have a think about um, stories which, um, uh, which overcome objections. Um, so if people have got an objection about something, then what story can you tell? And, uh, what client can you reference? Think about social proof stories. So I think let's, let's spend some time uh, building up the armory. And um, let's um, uh, spend, uh, create some time you know, to think about what we could deploy you know, to allow us to make these advancements. I think storytelling's, um, I mean, people talk about it all the time. And the reason why I asked about the templates is because, <clears throat> which I genuinely didn't know you had there, was because I think most people don't know where to start with it. You know, what topics are of interest and how, uh, and once you've aligned those topics, how do you even deliver it? Because although most of us are, you know, great in front of people and good on the phone, we, or else we wouldn't be doing a job that, we're, that we all do, um, actually coming up with the ideas, then delivering it in a way that isn't, you know, we've not been trained to do, it's actually quite a daunting prospect, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think that some people are maybe more natural storytellers than others, um, but with everything from emotional intelligence to storytelling, um, it can all be learned. And then so, you know, we can develop all of these things that we believe that, you know, we're born with or not. Um, most of that is not true. So, you know, we can develop optimism, you know, you can develop um, um, skills in a variety of areas which are outside of our character and personality. So um, it's just practice. And I think that most of us don't practice because we're too busy peddling fast. So as we're so busy doing, and we need to get a certain amount of prospecting calls, we need a certain amount of um, conversations. We're such a slave to our targets that sometimes, particularly in a disrupted world, let's create some time and space to think about what we're doing and how we're doing it and the value that we're creating for people. But the value that people may want from us now may well have changed. So um, we can't necessarily just rep replicate what we've done previously and try and do it more efficiently or do it more effectively, do it faster, um, because that may still not drive success. So, um, you know, I think that particularly when it comes to influence and persuasion, you know, it's all about um, um, thinking about what we're doing and aligning that to the place that we want to be to um, be at together. Once we start to do that and, uh, and think about um, more about some of the strategies and tactics, then I think that we'll we'll practice them in a new way, which allows them to become second nature. I don't suppose you know anybody who can help us with this, Jamil, do you? <laughs> <laughs> can I just ask a quick question, or can I just say say something know, quickly on this? <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, my so bad today. Sorry. Bless you. Um, firstly, Jamil, thank you very much as always. Because I have to be honest, you've really kicked me up the backside. Um, not only have I been writing notes, if some people might have been seeing me go to my phone, I've been literally messaging clients this whole time because I don't know about anybody else, but I've definitely lost a bit of confidence, morale, and everything else. And I think that when the market gets so bad, listen, some of it's coming back, some not, whatever. I think a lot of this stems from confidence. And if you've got the confidence, you feel you can influence and then you can then you persuade. And actually, you've, it's really, for me, it's about remembering who you are, the fact you've done it before and the fact that you just need to reinforce it more than anything else. 
Um, it's a really, really good point. One of the um, one of the things that I cover on this course is credibility and confidence. Um, and confidence is really important. I always say that the only way in which you change your outer world is to change your inner world. You know, the only way you get people to see Definitely. you differently is to see yourself differently. Um, you know, and a lot of these techniques rely on the confidence to use them. So, you know, otherwise, you know, we do become transactional. People ask for us of stuff and we provide it. So, um, which is fine. And, uh, so, but it doesn't, it doesn't allow us to outperform markets. It doesn't allow us to um, create clear blue water between ourselves and the competition. You know, it doesn't allow us to create a growth mindset. You know, so the only way in which we you know, become transformational rather than transactional um, is to start, you know, moving people in a direction which is relevant to both parties. Um, and, you know, we need to be able to signpost that. We need to tell a vision story about what that looks like you know, to, and then handhold people down the buy-in path. Um, and, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, I say time is the biggest killer of all deals. Um, and that's true in, in all areas of, you know, all aspects of business development and sales. So, you know, if we can move people more smoothly into a space of benefit to themselves, then all the better. But it does take a confidence to be, it does take a confidence to be consultative in that manner. You know, to say to people that, look, you know, there's two things you can do here, but from my experience, I think this one is best. But, uh, you know, and here are the reasons, here are the three reasons why. Um, and I think that, you know, what the, yeah, I think that people at the moment, you know, it's interesting you say that, Shelley, because, you know, I think a lot of people that we're dealing with have lost confidence. Don't forget that the procurement people, the HR managers, the L&D people and the sales directors, they've all lost confidence too. And um, so, you know, if you're buying an accountant, you're buying in a doctor, you know, buying in a dentist, and, uh, you're, you're buying in anyone who's sort of professional services, you want them to have a level of confidence, which, you know, enables you um, to, um, uh, to feel that too. So, you know, for someone to, pitch up and talk about you know capacity planning capability at um, leadership development at um, you know uh, have an eye on the markets and rates um can, can be really useful to people at the moment and uh, you know and, and i think that lots of people want to buy confidence lots of people want to buy trust they want to buy someone in their corner thank you oh, on that note jamil what a great question another topic presumably for another time uh, but you can cover this succinctly um when you're low on confidence what is the best way to stay motivated to keep going um uh, yeah the best way uh is if there's lots of ways um so um uh, small things are really important so um so keep doing small things and commit to them and do them so have you, you know, did I tell you about that speech um about making your bed in the morning did i tell you that did i mention that before Oh, no, I've heard it, but I don't yeah, know if anybody Admiral McRaven, I think it was, he says that you should make your bed in the morning. Um, and the reason why is that it's a promise made to yourself, which you keep, um, and you start the day with a success. And it's true. So I think that um, all great achievements are the result of many small achievements. Um, you know, let's, um, I always say blame looks backwards, responsibility looks forwards. So for us to gain confidence, we need a level of responsibility. So, um, so let's start making some small promises to ourselves that we can keep. Um, once we start to um, get into the habit and momentum, no matter how small these things are, we can gain confidence. So um, confidence is like a muscle. The more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. So what we need to do is to exercise our confidence levels. So do some things which we can commit to, which test us a little bit, and or even don't test us at all. We're just making sure we're keeping promises. You know, because there's a great confidence in, um, uh, in allowing ourselves to keep our one true power. 
and our one true power is our word. So that's really important. I think um, uh, it's really important to um, uh, celebrate successes. So celebrating successes is incredibly important. We don't do that anywhere near enough, personally or in business. Um, you know, if you get a success, no matter how small, then celebrate it, roll around naked in bed with it, enjoy it, it's amazing. That's important. Um, I think um, confidence comes from connectivity. Um, it's easier to be confident as a group um, than it is um, as an individual. So, um, so make sure that we're surrounding ourselves with people who allow us to understand and gain a perspective on our, ourselves. So people who keep pointing out to you what's good about you will allow you to feel confident. So let's hang out with some people who allow us to feel confident and have been more connected, been part of something and have allows us to feel confidence. Um, and then a fourth thing <clears throat> I would say confidence um, is perspective. We sometimes lose confidence. Do you know what? My God, this is bloody amazing. <laughs> um, read that. Oh, wait, let me just look, read that. I should just, why don't I read this out to you? This is, look, this is, this is um, um, distorted ways of thinking which can affect your confidence, a barrier to success. My God. But, um, I could have just read this out to you. But, um, so there's loads, of, there's loads of ways in which, um, do you want to run through some distorted thinking? How long have you got? Simon asked a question. He looks like he's here all day, so go for it. John, too. This is really useful. This is really, really useful. My, but my throat might not hold. That's the only problem. Hang on. Um, so these are reasons. I'll send this to you as well, so don't worry about it. I'll send this to Simon. Simon will send it to you. And um, this is distorted ways in which we, um, we affect our confidence. Um, let's play distorted learning bingo. Just tick them off if, you, uh, if you're a victim of them. <laughs> um, all or nothing thinking. So seeing extreme events affects our confidence. So if I can't have this, nothing will do. At, um, so all or nothing thinking. At, um, I've got to win this contract. And if I don't, this is disastrous for our business. At, um, so that's all or nothing thing really affects your confidence. If it doesn't work out, you think it's really big. Um, see what it's like, you know, when you think that uh, if I get this job, it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to me. It will be amazing. Then you get the job. It's uh, after six months, you think, well, you know what, it's all right. <clears throat> or, you know, your first love at, um, at 15, at, um, you, know, you, you, you get packed in by your first love and you think your world is over. I will never love again. My life is over until you meet her sister. <laughs> but, look, enough, but enough about me. At, um, so, at, uh, all or nothing thinking affects your confidence. Magnification or minimization. So, exaggerating the negative or reducing the positive. So, I stumble over a sentence in that pitch. Um, that means that the client doesn't like me. I'm never going to win this. At, um, you know, or people say, I really enjoyed, enjoyed the talk. And you say, well, I know, you're just saying that. And we minimize or maximize, and it affects our confidence. Personalization. It's my fault that the boss is in a bad mood today. We personalize things. It affects our confidence. That may not be the reason. Emotional reasoning. Um, you believe something is true because you feel it strongly. I'm a failure, so therefore I must be. And we get this, um, what's it called? Um, um, uh, oh, God, what's it called? The, um, the, um, the complex where people don't believe they're good enough. It's imposter syndrome. It's we get imposter syndrome. Um, so, um, you know, I think I'm a, this is why so many people have been loads of studies into it. People have plastic surgery 
um, and I look in the mirror and say that, yeah, 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 I don't, I don't feel any different. And, um, and it's interesting, some people use the word feel because they may look different, but they don't feel different in regards to their self-image. So <clears throat> emotional reasoning, mind reading. Um, uh, I know that people think I'm bad at my job. Mind reading, and we do it all the time, it affects our confidence. Labeling, I failed that test, which makes me stupid. We do that all the time too, labeling. And um, so your past does not equal your future unless you allow it to. Discounting the positives. People say the workshop was good, but I think they're just saying that to make me feel better. And people say I did a really good job in that negotiation, but you know, it was nothing. Shoulds and musts. Um, this is a really big one at the moment for people losing confidence. Um, shoulds and must. I should, I should have got this done by now. You know, I must cook fresh vegetables. Um, I should stop drinking. You know, I must go running. Um, it really affects your confidence to be at the mercy of shoulds and musts. Fortune telling. And um, fortune telling is all about I failed that test, so I'll never pass it. And, um, you know, I'm never any good at understanding numbers. And um, so I never will be. And then catastrophizing. I've made a mistake, so I'll lose my job. But if I lose my job, I'll lose the house. And if I lose the house, then I'll be on the streets. Um, I stole this from Dryden and Neenan. It's really good. Um, I'll send it to you. So um, now we do all these things and they all affect our confidence. So our confidence is affected not by, uh, not by every experience that we have, but every interpretation of experience that we have. So how we translate these things affects our confidence. <clears throat> that helps, Simon. There's an affirmed nod of the head there. I'll send it to you, mate. And then, have you um, any, Simon, have you got anything else you'd like to, um, anything else around that? Simon said that's really good. Yeah, okay, don't worry, let's answer the question. Okay, wonderful. Um, anybody else? We've rushed through a lot. I feel as though we have done less in more depth. I sort of covered quite a bit, really. But do not let do not let that knock your confidence, Jamil. No, okay. <laughs> no, you've done a fantastic job as you always do. And look, you tried to condense a, an eight-hour course into what is now an hour and a half. Um, but you've done as, as you always do, Jamil. Thank you so much. We've still got tons of people, uh, tons of people here. So they've either got nothing to do, or actually they're finding you quite interesting. <laughs> I think it saves them doing any proper work. That's all. <laughs> that's the issue. Um, and along the way, raised bundles of cash for our charity. So, as always, Jimmy, I can't thank you enough um, for the time that you take out for this for for, for our network. Um, and it's just amazing to have you involved in it. So thank you ever so much. I'm sure we speak on behalf of everybody. And we've had notes come through as people have had to leave to go and do whatever it is they've had to do. Real work. Um, to say how, how engaging it is uh, or has been today and how much we've learned. So thanks. That's really kind. I'm sorry my throat's been rubbish today. It's really put me off today. But, um, but I hope there's one word, one sentence or one idea that's of use to you. I'm sure it will be. You've got lots of nodding heads um, and lots of uh, furious writing as well. So I'll go back and ask what they've, maybe I could get them to do some homework. What do you reckon? No, no one needs homework. <laughs> no. um, I'll send the notes to you and then you can forward it on to the guys. Yeah, no, that'd be terrific if you could. Yeah, that'd be absolutely wonderful. Um, well, look, we'll, um, we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, on behalf of everybody, once again, Jamil, um, influence and persuasion. Let's, um, let's go ahead and, and get that and hopefully... Um, see us in good stead for, uh, for what will be a positive 
sort of way moving forward. So, look, Jamil, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you, everybody, for attending, of course. And we'll speak to you soon. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Catch you soon. Bye.